Thank you. You may be seated. Well, because of everything going on in our church and um, everything that as I try to listen to the Holy Spirit of God, I've got this three-week series we're doing on the, on um, the Word of God and how important it is. Oh, the young people are going back. I always forget that. That's great. Jim, you have to come up. Yeah. <laughs> because of the situation we're all in, and the reason we're in it is because of um, the lack of authority that we see in the in the Word of God. He put this series on my heart and I'm trying to be obedient to it. Um, and it's nothing more than a battle. Um, it's a battle, my friends, that uh, we think sometimes just started. But this battle over God's Word has been going on since it came about. Many people have tried to destroy it. Many people have tried to dis dis disown it and say it's not really anything that we need to live by. But I contend uh, differently. I trust this book. I trust this book completely. I put my life in this book. And many people do. And, and if I'm wrong, praise God. I'm much better today than I was 52 years ago. Amen? <laughs> now, if you remember last week, I tried to talk about the power of God's word and how it conceives us and cleanses us and completes us. And um, the value behind understanding that power is overwhelming. So today I want to do my best to share with you about how this word is nothing but, but purified and, and uh, because it is God's truth, because it is uh, truth to us, it becomes purified in its context and its meaning to each and every one of us. And that's why I think when we, we read God's word, somebody can get one thing out of it and somebody else can get another thing out of it. But it's all that what they're getting out of it is all centralized around Jesus Christ. If it's centralized anyplace else, then we're not reading the same book and doing the same purpose. From Genesis to Revelation, this book is about the purity of who Christ is in our lives. Amen? Uh, when I say that to you, and the purity of the word um, is like this. The purity of the word is it's a timeless truth. Do you understand that? It's a timeless truth. It, it was written, you know, so many years ago. Um, you can go back 4,000 4, years to maybe even five or 6,000 years. But it has meaning for us today. Old and new, it's all there together. It's a timeless truth. And, and I think if we really want to understand it, it's, a, it's an ultimate truth. Jesus didn't say, I am a way. He said, I am the way, and the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. It wasn't an option. This is it. I am the way. It's an ultimate truth. And as we have seen, and we know that it's an indestructible truth. It can't be, it can't be done away with. Everything will be gone, but this word will still be standing. I believe it's an infallible truth to all of our hearts, to every bit of us. We, we can find mistakes in it and find issues in it, but um, uh, the end result is it's infallible. And most importantly, I think it's an eternal truth. 
God's word is eternal. It doesn't just um, um, happen, you know, in the first century. It didn't happen 2,000 years before Jesus was born. It's um, uh, an eternal truth that started and lasts forever and will not go away. Will not go away. It is here whether we want it or not and whether we believe in it or not. I think that those things, I think those attributes are what makes this Bible, what makes this Bible a purity um, of God's love and, and um, grace towards us. Well, I'm going to try to defend that statement now. But let's read them, this scripture today. It's the same scripture we read last week, just a little bit less and a little bit more. Um, 1 Peter, 1 Peter, if you have your Bibles, one turn there. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. And we'll read the 2-2. Two, two. It goes like this. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of brethren, love one another fervently, fervently with a pure heart. You know, we don't need to read any more. Everything I'm going to say is right, right there. Uh, listen to it again. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. We need the second verse, verse 23. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, through the word of God which lives and abides forever. Because all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of the grass. And we know that the grass withers and its flowers fall away. But, are you ready for this? But, the word there in the Koine Greek is called hina. Anytime you see a hina, you need to stop and see what happened before and what happened afterwards. But, the word of God endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. And I pray that I have done that for four and a half years with you too. Amen? Therefore, lying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babies desire that pure milk of the word that you may grow, that you may grow thereby. Hmm. This is, I believe, the word of God for all, all people. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. God, as we start this time where we look at your word, we pray that you would open our hearts. Open our hearts to what you might have to say to us today, that we could grab a hold of something that touches our hearts that would change them, and we would leave this place different than we entered in. That's our prayer, Lord. We, wanna, we don't want to just hear your word. We want to become doers of it. So help us to listen with that thought in mind. That thought in mind, Lord. And may your servant's words be nothing more than yours today. We pray it in Christ's holy name. Amen? All right. As I pondered all this, as I pondered all this, I thought to myself, if we're talking to the, this word is, is powerful and it's pure word that guides us, 
If we believe that in our hearts, you know, we, and when I say that to you, um, I'm, I'm talking to people who are in Christ, as Paul put it. And in Christ, he said, in Christ, we have the power of this word and the purity of this word. If we're not in Christ, then the, the word doesn't really mean too much. It's a good book. Jesus is a good guy. Hmm? We hear that a lot today. But there's a spiritual truth, whether you're in Christ or not, but when you're in Christ, it matters even more. And that spiritual truth is this, and if you don't hear anything today, hear this. The Word of God literally comes to us by the Holy Spirit. Yes, we wrote it down, people wrote it down, but the Holy Spirit moved and motivated the Holy Spirit uh, compelled the authors of these books to write what they did. That's a spiritual truth that you and I have to grab a hold of. We need to hold on to that and, and hold it in our hearts and say, okay, yes, this was written by man, but it's not really. It's not really written by man. It's written by the Holy Spirit. He used the instruments um, like a quill pen. He used that person, whoever it was, to write. Hmm. Look at, uh, if you have your Bible still open, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10. It says, Of this salvation the prophets have inquired and searched carefully. They prophesied of the grace that would come to us. My goodness. Um, I don't know if you know what, if you understand that verse or not, but, but if you digest God's word and put it all in context... I believe that, that it's saying that the Holy Spirit guided the prophets, guided those who were writing down anything that they were putting down uh, about God's word. Um, I think they probably wrote down something and then reread it and said, what the heck is that? Where did it come from? What does it mean? When is it going to happen? <laughs> and they wrote the crazy things of like the, the soon coming day. If you listen to all the major and minor prophets of the Old Testament, they talked about the soon coming day that the Messiah would come. Who's the Messiah? Can you imagine writing about somebody 2,000, 5,000, or 500 years before? It's crazy. Um, they were writing about things they didn't quite understand. Regeneration. New birth. I don't think they understood it completely. But they put it down. I think, I think in my heart, that still happens today. That God still guides people. When we look at our hymns, when we look at that hymn we just sung, that was nothing but a prayer. And somebody put that down. And I don't think they put it down just because it was cute and neat. I think, I think God was directing the writer of that song, of that hymn. Amen? It means so much to us. All these hymns that we sing, I think, are, are God-directed, God-infused. God the Holy Spirit um, um, said this is what to write. Even, even uh, Darlene Shack. Yeah, I don't know if you know about her song of, 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 of worship, where she wrote that on the hillside and thought it was just for a song for her and her relationship with God. And, and all of a sudden she's hymning that song all, all over the place. And the praise band hears her singing and says, hey, what are you singing? And she says, oh, it's nothing. It's just a song between me and God. And they said, no, we need to hear that song. And now it's one of the most famous songs sung 
on Sunday mornings. And that's all done by the Holy Spirit. Um, the, so I, I think it still happens. And, and, and I dare say, and I hope and I pray, that every time you hear, hear a sermon, it's God-directed, Holy Spirit-infused. Amen? You know, I don't have anything to say. <laughs> what I have to say is get your butt out of the sand and let's go. You know, but God has something different to say to us. My, my direction would be nothing, nothing that would solve our problems, but God does. God does. In verse 11 of 1 Peter 2, it goes like this. Searching what we or what manners of time, the Spirit of Christ who was in them, was indicating that when he testified beforehand the suffering of Christ and the glories that would, fall, that would follow. Why? If, if we would only take time to read that and understand that what, the, what the, uh, Peter was saying is that this is what the Holy Spirit does for us. What the Holy Spirit really means. Why the Holy Spirit tells us to write down these things. And um, even though we, they wouldn't know what time that it was going to happen or, or, or even about the Messiah or when the Messiah was coming, they didn't understand it. They didn't need to understand it. All they needed to do was be obedient servants and write down what God had put on their hearts. And that's why, <laughs> even though didn't, they didn't completely understand it, that's why it's so important for us to understand that the, the power behind this word, the purity behind this word, because it's, uh, it's because of the spirit that was in them that was putting that ink to paper. So what we have when we look at God's word, this Bible, we have the writings of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Are you grabbing a hold of that? Grabbing a hold of that? It's, it's not called uh, the Bible by man. <laughs> it's not called that. never has been called that. It is uh, the authority the Bible of God. It's the Holy Spirit. My friends, my friends, I, I think what we need to hear is that this is the Word of God. Whatever version you got, whatever, you got a nice fancy one, this is my last preaching Bible. And you don't want to look at it because it's ugly. You can't read sections of it because I've got so many notes in here. You know, but this is my last preaching Bible. Now I do it on my iPad, and I, I don't know which one I like better. But uh, I like my Bible. Um, it is the Word of God. It is, it is the Word of God. Now I have to ask you a question. Do you have that down in your heart? Do you believe that? This is the Word of God. Do you have it down? It's an important question. One, one um, very well-known theologian said, made a statement that causes a little bit of controversy, but he said the problem with the Christians today is not one denomination versus another denomination, which is what it's always been, you know. Oh, you know those Baptists. Oh, you know those Presbyterians. Oh, you know those United Methodists, you know what I mean? That's not the biggest battle anymore. The biggest division, the biggest battle that's going on today is between those who accept God's holy word, this Bible, as the inspired of God, word of God, and those who don't. Do you see what I'm saying? It comes down, I, you know, my simple-mindedness. It comes down to one of two things. You either believe this or you don't. And that's the battle today. 
Jesus is more than a good guy, friends. I want you to know that. This book tells us he was our Savior. Amen? When I talk to you about that, when I talk to you about that and think about that, I thought about one night as I was listening to the Holy Spirit, Billy Graham came to my mind. Billy Graham came to my mind because um, he was a powerful instrument of God's grace, wasn't he? Millions upon millions of people's lives were changed because, because he said one thing. I'm going to share that with you. But first, let me give you um, his testimony, and let me read it to you, um, that he had as a young pastor, as a young person following Christ. He said uh, when he was in his early years studying to see who Christ was and to how to pray, proclaim the word, that he had a lot of questions. He had a lot of questions. He had a lot of problems. He said, I had problems about the word of God. There were so many questions and so many hard things to understand about this Bible that I was preaching. And he found himself wavering, he said. He said, I was struggling and felt that he had doubts about God's word. He had doubts about God's word. So he was getting kind of frustrated and didn't know what to do. So he took off and went up into the hills, went up into the mountains and spent some time up there. And one day he got up and he said, he said to himself, he said, I know that the Bible has to be the word of God. And the reason he said that is because he said, I have seen its transforming power in lives already. So he put it on a stump. He put, can you see Billy Graham doing that, putting the Bible on a stump? He backed up away from it and he said, God, right now, I, I want you to know, I accept your word. What I understand and what I do not understand, I accept. I accept it as your word and I take it all in by nothing more than faith in you. And I will trust you to make it clear to me to explain what it means. Hmm. So Billy Graham had a mountaintop experience, didn't he? And from the, I think from that moment on, he says, everything changed. He began to have a power he didn't understand. He, it was an incredible power, he said, in his ministry and in his life. And all the reason that it did that Have you ever been to Billy Graham uh, Crusade? Yeah, and seen it on, even if you've seen it on TV. The reason everything changed is because he put that bony finger up. Remember that long bony finger? And he would look at everybody in that stadium and he'd say, the Bible says. And the Bible says, he would say. And that finger would be waving around, you know. He'd say, the Bible says. And everything changed in his life because of that one statement. That's where the power is. Not in what Billy Graham says. Not in what Floyd Costello says. Not in what my, my great pastor friends say. It's the Bible says. The Bible says. Believing and trusting in the purity of God's word is what causes us to say the Bible says. 
I'm like Billy Graham. No, I'm not. <laughs> um, but I, I had some doubts too when I was younger. I, I actually had a fear when I was, oh, it's probably 45 years ago or so. I was just, you know, finishing up my first um, appointment in 1990. I'm going to my second appointment uh, as a pastor. And, and, and as I was doing that, I'm, I'm thinking, golly, Ned, you know, I'm going to run out of stuff to say. Can you imagine somebody thinking that? But I, I remember saying it. I said, geez, I've preached for four years now. I don't know what I'm going to, you know, I think I've done everything, you know. Well, I don't think I could live long enough to even step in the inside lapel of this, the inside cover of this Bible to its fullness. I would have a hard time. I think of folks like Billy Graham and, and Charles Stanley and others that have spent their life, you know, getting inside God's Word, and, and they all say the same thing. I just don't have enough time. Today, I don't have enough time. I know my time's getting down to end, and we all are, you know, um, but I'm like Paul. I'm like Paul. I want to scream out all the depths of the riches, both of wisdom and knowledge, uh, the knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways are way past finding out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? I could uh, preach another hundred years and just barely touch God's word. Amen? Now, I want to share something with you that's very difficult. And um, um, very concerning, very concerning, and and um, and watch out! Don't see me as judgmental. I'm just trying to share God's truth. Okay. Here's here's another truth. We have that first truth that, that this is God's word. This next spiritual truth is this. I'm going to say it to you as gently as I can. Do not mess around with God's word. You hear that, friends? We need to hear that blatantly today. Don't mess with the power. Don't mess with the purity of this word. People are trying to change it blatantly and making it just a good book. They're trying to tell us that um, the book doesn't really hold any power to it. It's just a good book. These things that are on there, we don't need Jesus to be born of a virgin. We don't need Jesus to die on a cross for us. We are not all sinners. We are... God would never do any. They're just messing with God's power and with the purity of his word. I don't know if you remember, but do you remember uh, talking about messing with God's word? Do you remember, I don't remember when it was now. God, I did, gosh, I did have that. Um, but the Reader's Digest came out with a condensed version of the Bible. Anybody remember that? Yeah, they came out with a condensed version of it. So they came out with a condensed version and they shut down 50% of the Old Testament and 25% of the New Testament. I don't know what they took out, all they took out, but as I was re uh, reading an article about it, it said that they took out this one verse in Revelation. If you have your Bibles open, turn to Revelation chapter 22. Uh, they, left out, they left out a lot, 25%. They probably left out one uh, gospel for sure, you know. Maybe all of Paul's writings, who knows. 
But they left out this verse, chapter 22 of Revelation, verses 18 and 19. And it goes like this. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. Now listen to this. If anyone adds to this book these things, God will add to them the plagues that are written in this book. Don't add anything to God's word, friends. It's not good. The end result's not good. You hear that? Unless you want a couple plagues. Go ahead. And if anyone, are you ready? If anyone takes away from the words of this book of prophecy, God shall take away that person's part from the book of life. Lord, have mercy. And from the holy city and from the things that are written in the book. Now, if you don't hear anything, if you didn't hear anything today, listen to this. Just because of those two verses, don't do it. Don't mess with God's word. The moment we mess with God's word, the moment we mess with God's word, and the moment we mess with God's word, and are you ready? And say something's okay when he says it's not okay. The moment we mess with that, we have failed. We are desperate in our lives and the end result we might not see it today, but we will see it later. The end result will be terrifying. Terrifying. Don't do it. Don't change something he calls sin to be okay. I'll never forget reading the first time I started really reading. I was following um, a bunch of evangelists, Catherine Coleman and Rex Humbard and Billy Sunday and, and um, Dwight L. Moody and, and many more. And uh, I was reading Dwight L or uh, Billy Sunday uh, in the in the fifties, and he was up in Cleveland, and he made this statement. He made this statement to everybody in the world then, and it was clear back then things were not good. It was a battle back then. He made this statement, and he said, "If God is against it, so am I." Amen. Sorry, friends. If you listen on in that revelation. As it finishes up, he says, he says, better take note of this because surely I am coming. I am coming soon. Amen? Even so, come, Lord Jesus. My goodness. As we finish up, think about it. The Bible is a timeless truth. It's an ultimate truth. It's an indestructible truth. It's an infallible truth. It's eternal truth. It is truth for us. This is what we should follow all of the days of our lives. And then the last verse of Revelation 22 says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen? Amen. Don't mess with it, friends. Let's trust God. Let's pray together. God, thank you. Thank you for your challenge today to adhere to your word, the power that it has, the holiness that it has, the purity that's in it, that guides and directs us, causes us to be other than who we really are. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word. We, we in this church trust it this day. And we're not ashamed of it. As your servant Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Neither are we, Lord. Help us to defend it, to proclaim it, and to share it with everyone you send our way. Be with us, we pray today in your son's holy name. We pray this in Christ's holy name today.
all of God's children said. Amen. Praise God.